Bring in more revenue while saving money and differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack vying to win those guests by becoming more environmentally friendly. We will show you how easy it is and how cheap it can be, if not free, and share all the opportunities available. So join us each week as we take another step along the green path. That's one more step to differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack. Proudly sponsored by The Book Direct Show, a green vacation rental conference. Learn more at bookdirect.show. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Green Path. Today I'm chatting with Paul who's going to share with us his success story. Hello Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thank you for having me on Deborah. I'm very excited to talk about all things accommodation and sustainability and share success stories Lovely. and learning points and all the rest of that. Well, thank you very, very much for your time and for joining me. Now, Paul, can you please tell us where you are and what you do and just some background of, of where you are? Yeah, sure. So right now I'm sitting in Sandfield Guest House. I moved into the building in 1986 as a child and then I bought the building in 2008 turned it into a guest house it took about six months or so to get the fire eggs get all the ensuite sorted that type of thing um, and my first guest arrived in 2009 so it's currently it's operated just by me without any staff there's a five bedroom guest house on the london road just east of oxford city about two miles out from oxford city mm -hmm. now next question is why are you on this podcast you're obviously you have a taste for sustainability you've got an interest in it What's that journey been like and how did you start? Yeah, so uh, we have two kids, Cameron, who's five, and Audrey, who's three. And um, just before Cameron was born, a very, very dear friend of mine who is, would you believe, a retired Druid, he was a master Druid, said to me, or asked me, he said, when in 10 years' time or 15 years' time, when whatever's going on with the ice caps happens and these types of things, what are you going to tell your soon-to-be son, what you did, what did you do? Um, and at the time, my response and my wife's response was, well, we, we would just say that we watched it on TV and just <laughs> didn't do it. And, and his question really got us thinking about the impact that we have, one, as a business, and two, as a soon-to-be-growing family mm. here in Oxford. Um, to give you an idea, this house was built about 1935 or so. There's no cavity walls. Uh, it was it was just leaking energy. The boiler at the time was 25, 26 years old for the central heating and the hot water. Um, and also I was encountering guests who would do things like leave radiators on and windows open and all that type of thing. So we decided that we were gonna do something about the dimension and the size of our carbon footprint. Um, so the first thing that I did was I asked him for a bit of guidance and to find some organizations that would help us measure the carbon impact that we have as a building, as a family, as a business on the environment. Um, and I quickly discovered an organization called Carbon Footprint Limited because they have an online calculator. Um, it's quite a complex thing, but all you essentially do is you fill in all the blanks. How much electricity do you use in a year? How much gas do you use in a year? How many miles do you do in your car? What type of car is it? How old is it? Do you use public transport? Um, to the nth degree. And that gave us a number. We were like, right, we produce, I forget what it was at the time. It was about 12, 14 tons of CO2E. So that's carbon, gaseous carbon, 
per year. So we're like, right, what do we do to drive this down? Uh, and with a little bit of their guidance, but basically just common sense, we we started to squeeze that footprint down. At the same time, because I knew that my parents who were very, very aged were not gonna do anything about their carbon footprint and anything that they did would have quite limited impact. Through the carbon limited organization, we offset all of the carbon that we were producing. Mm -hmm. and, and how's that done? So the way that that works is, and it's important with any organization that you go to, to make sure that they're vetted by government and they're not just taking your money and having a fine time in Monaco. Um, they have Carbon Limited or Carbon Footprint Limited have a portfolio of projects into which on a monthly basis you can invest mm. with a calculation that would suggest what they anticipate the carbon that that project would offset would be. Um, so you can pick unique projects, you can create a global portfolio. I picked one um, that's quite heavy on hydro over in South America. I lived in Brazil for four years, um, so I'm quite passionate about that. Um, equally, hydro in Canada, because I know they're very, very good at it. Solar in China, projects in India. And for a monthly fee, or a monthly sum, you are investing in projects that are designed to ultimately reduce the amount of carbon that's going into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we we offset what we what we were producing at the time, what we calculated, plus fifty percent to compensate for other people who either couldn't care less or or grandparents and parents who, who weren't going to do anything about it, and it was all a bit late anyway. And then we said about pushing that carbon footprint down. Mm -hmm. So the big wins would be we replaced the boiler. Um, I had that assessed. It was ancient, 25, 27 years old. It was running at about 25, 30% efficiency. So it was just, <laughs> just rubbish. Mm -hmm. uh, we got that renewed. We started changing through the light bulbs. So I sold my old filament light bulbs. Um, perhaps that wasn't, wasn't the most, um, most eco-conscious thing to have done because someone else is going to go and use them. But I figured if, if they've been made already, we may as well use them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm replacing all our bulbs with light bulbs that were LED um, and low energy bulbs. And then we introduced smart switches into the public areas of the building. So the lights would only come on at given times as opposed to someone turning the light on as they come in late at night, leaving it on all night, it would automatically manage that. What else did we do? Is, is that based on motion, the smart switches? Or is it just you a timer? Ones, you can get ones that are based on motion, but you can also get ones that are based on timer. Okay. And if you get something that will talk to Amazon Alexa, you can ask it to do a variety of things depending on a variety of sets of circumstances. Okay, yeah. Um, so, for example, my outside light um, is on a timer that is set to come on 30 minutes after dusk, and it goes off at about 11 o'clock at night because everyone who needs to find me has already found me by then. And then in the morning, um, particularly in winter, this is this is useful. It'll come on um, about an hour before dawn, an hour and a half before dawn. And you can set these parameters and it knows where you are in the world. It knows what the sun cycles are and it tunes in, mm. um, which is really, really helpful. Because it means you don't have to keep faffing around with those old fashioned timers and yeah. tweaking them again and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So the the total effect of offsetting what we were doing five years ago or so and 50% and driving our footprint down now means that we, for every ton of CO2E, so every ton of carbon that we produce as a family, we offset at least two tons. Mm -hmm. Okay. And 
this is why we can call ourselves 100% carbon positive. Not neutral, but positive. Okay, but doesn't positive carbon... Impact to, oh, positive impact. Because carbon yeah. positive sounds like I'm still producing carbon, which is a positive thing rather than... Yeah, I have, I have gone to a lot of trouble to Google it. You could say I'm 100% carbon negative. You could, it, depending on where you are in the world and what you're saying, um, what, I, what it boils down to is we offset twice as much as we produce and right. we've actively gone about driving that footprint down. Okay. There is quite a strong argument um, that would suggest that off, simply offsetting your carbon footprint um, is in many respects an abrogation of responsibility in as much as I'm not positively impacting the environment here in Oxford necessarily unless I'm pushing my footprint down. Um, it also removes any sense of guilty conscience. Mm, mm, People will then be more tempted. Well, I'm offsetting twice as much, so it doesn't matter if I do this short car journey. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think if, you're, if your heart's in the, in the right place, you, it can open you up to accusations of greenwashing. Mm. Um, but when it comes to trolling, I know what we do. I know why we're doing it. It's for our kids. Yeah ultimately and specifically and any wider benefit is kind of gravy and bonus on top yeah um so we're we're very confident in the fact that we eat much less meat than we used to we're down to one item of single-use plastic that the guests ever encounter and i'm really struggling with that one would you believe pre-packaged biscuits are a nightmare to get oh. recycling <laughs> compostable thing oh. and I'm not baking biscuits because I'll end up either eating them all or chucking them away. So, um, I was going to yeah, say so all that I'm stuff. Baked. We feel very, very strong on that. Um, but I think people do need to be careful and not go right. The panacea is offset it. Give loads of money to a solar powered project or yeah. a motor project, whatever yeah. it is. And yeah, just yeah. Go, yeah, it's fine. We've done our bit. Tick because that's not the case at all. That's not the case. We need to be yeah. pushing emissions down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to go back to the technical things, but I just have an idea for your biscuits. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you buy them like a packet of biscuits, I'm assuming that you've got them in each room, each guest room. Yeah. And I suppose, do they always get eaten? So as a result of COVID, I removed from all my guest rooms loads and loads of stuff because it's yeah. just me. I was cleaning coat hangers and hair dryers and not knowing if toilet shoes had been touched or used and all that stuff. So my pre-check-in process is a questionnaire. Um, it has things like, it has questions that are a little bit cheeky in that, are you aware that direct bookings you'll get, earlier check-ins you'll get, discounts, da 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 da, da. Mm -hmm. But it then leads into what type of teas, and we've got an enormous list of teas. What Do you want toiletries? Do you want X, Y, Z? Mm -hmm. So the people who say, yes, I'd like biscuits, will ordinarily eat the biscuits because they've asked for them. Okay, so here's an idea. You buy your biscuits, you keep them in an airtight container in your kitchen, and you have an airtight container in their room that you put the biscuits in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they don't they don't last that. They won't they genuinely won't last that long, particularly not in my household. Because mm. mm. I'm a I'm a I'm a cookie monster. Oh, no. Okay, well I've, that's another I've, story. I've got two more growing up behind me that ah, biscuits. <laughs> um so my decision will ultimately be. And people have suggested various cookie dough recipes where you can freeze the dough and then carve off pieces, bake your own, that type of thing. Or I might just knock it on the head. Just not do biscuits. I wonder if there's a healthier alternative that comes in a healthier kind of packaging. This is what I've been trying to find. I have, I have found it impossible so far. And I've been working on it since 
was it No Plastic July or No Plastic June last year? Mm. I've yet to found, find one. So if any of your listeners have got an idea, send them in. Send them in. You could but, do a whole podcast just on biscuits. Man. The first one is fruit, but then, you know, eh, okay. Anyway, yeah. look, if anyone does have any suggestions, pop them in the comments below. That'll be really great to get a thread going on. Yes, please. You know, little packaging, great little things for guest rooms. Um, I want to go back to some of the top, uh, some of the uh, the jargon. So okay. the carbon footprint, that was a very interesting exercise that you described. So because I think when people hear carbon footprint, it means that they might have to go and measure something. Like, how do I know how much exhaust is coming out of my car? I don't know. How do I know this? Da, da, da. So really to calculate your carbon footprint is literally filling in a form. Uh, yes, it's a very detailed form um and you can access it for free i forget what the website address is but it's carbon yep. footprint limited it's pretty easy to google it has a green yep. foot yeah um, and there's a whole series of tabs a little bit like a spreadsheet and you put in i drive a skoda octavia i drive and whatever year it is so it knows yep. you can put the wow. registration in it knows specifically the engine size and these things how many miles do you do um it doesn't get into the details as to how many miles have you done yeah and the style of your driving. So if you're doing motorway driving, you're being much more efficient than if you're doing lots of short journeys. Yeah. Um, but it does drill down into into enormous levels of detail. And it just spits okay. an answer and says you produce 12.25 tons of CO2E per year. Yeah. Yeah. Now you say CO2E. Yeah. Now I did read somewhere about the E thingy. Isn't that what what is that exactly? I don't know. I <laughs> Let me Google I, it. Let me Google I thought it. Thought it had something to do with clean energy. CO2E. I thought it's CO2 and CO2E. I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, thinking. CO2 refers to carbon dioxide, while yeah. CO2E stands for carbon dioxide equivalent, which includes CO2 and other greenhouse gases. Okay. Okay. So it's a it's a larger umbrella. Okay, that's fine. So then. Then you started talking about offsets. So just need to get my head around what exactly is a carbon offset. So I, let's say I produce one ton of CO2E. And are you telling me that by me paying into a carbon offset company, just me making that payment is going to mean that my one ton doesn't exist anymore? Mm, it's not quite as so straightforward as that. So um carbon footprint limited and i have no vested interest in them mm. apart from that's who i use um are essentially a company that as well as advising people on how to achieve iso standards and QSO, uh, Q, uh, qs standards how to push their footprint down what their footprint is and so on and so forth presents a vehicle through which you can invest in projects globally that are specifically designed to reduce CO2E emissions, wherever they are, in whatever way they might be doing it. Mm -hmm. So that could be researching new types of batteries. It could be tree planting, which, by the way, is a very, very slow way of pulling carbon out of the environment. So the impact there is very, very small. Um, hydroelectric research, solar research, wind farms, any of that um, low impact energy sources, there are constantly um, and I know there's a lot of it happening in Oxford because Oxford is one of those academically envelope shoving cities. Um, research and 
engineering projects going on in order to reduce the total, the overall CO2E mm. that we as a race mm. push, as a, as a race, as a, as a, as a species. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, perhaps as a race, because different different parts of the world are, are much more responsible than others at the moment. Um, so the overall aim is to invest in projects that will lessen humanity's impact on the atmosphere and the planet yeah. by virtue of greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you touched on replacing the boiler, you touched on the LED lights, and we're going to have a whole separate episode on LED lights and what it means and how it you know, has any effect on anything. Um, with your building, was there anything else you did to your building for insulation or anything to, to help improve, uh, you know? Yeah, so we're going through the process of replacing. Um, so originally the windows were single glazed. Um, and then as a, as a family, when I was young, we then introduced secondary glazing. So that's another sheet of glass. So in order to open a window, you have to open the first layer and then the second layer. Mm -hmm. um, that also has the benefit of soundproofing, some limited benefit for soundproofing for the guests. But what we're now doing is we're going through the process of ripping all of those out one by one, because it's not a cheap endeavor, and replacing that with double, and in some cases, triple glazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's great for heating and cooling, right? Keeps the heat in? It keeps the heat in and it keeps the heat out. At the minute, it's approaching 30 degrees. It's absolutely sweltering here in, in Oxford. Apparently, it's hotter here than it is in Jamaica. And, and I, I wouldn't argue with that at the moment. Um, so it, it stops the building absorbing heat as rapidly as it did previously. And it stops the building losing heat when, when the balance is the opposite way. Yeah. The, the ultimate step, um, two things that I would really like to do, but simply don't have the financial resources, particularly post-COVID, in order to invest in it, would be one would be to insulate the inside of the building. So there's insulated plasterboard that can be attached on the inside of the external walls, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the other one would be solar solar panels. Oh, yeah, yeah. In order to generate our own. The problem we have here particularly is that our garden is north-facing, so we don't actually get that much where we would like to put panels. Mm. And the other problem with this building and it's not an insurmountable problem is uh, I don't know if you can if I move this around. I don't know if you can see uh, there. So the building has got enormous coving. Oh, it's yes, got, yes. It's got picture rails. It's yeah. got an external wall. It's got period feature, chimney breasts. The whole thing is I've worked very, very hard to keep any renovations as authentic to the original design mm -hmm. with little bits of modernization with colors and getting rid of twiddly bits and all that type of thing mm -hmm. but that makes it very very difficult then to slap a layer of plasterboard sure. that's insulated on and still keep the character of the building which is in many respects as a business is what draws a lot of the people here because it's a family home it's it doesn't look like your standard rent a box on an industrial estate type of yeah. type of space yeah. equally one of the struggles we've had with the double glazing is that the original wooden frames they need the glass removing and they need routing out and the whole thing needs rebuilding back in again. So mm. to give you an idea, a bay window is about six or seven hundred pounds just to get it set up, let alone rebuilding it and repainting it and all that type type of thing. And in a big old mm. what is it, essentially an eight bedroom house with about 30 windows, it's a serious, serious endeavor to take on. Yes. Uh, but are, are you sure? Again, we did extend into the loft and we've extended out the back. So that's all modern spec. 
insulation and these types of things. So there are only little pockets. It's been a while since I pointed a thermal imaging ca uh, camera at the building in winter, but there are only pockets of it where it's now leaking. Mm -mm -mm. If you're if you're going to be making such an investment in the windows, right? Are you sure? Are you certain that you're going to recoup that in in savings with electricity and heating and things like that? Um, on a, on a financial argument, not not necessarily, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. But it's indisputable that triple glazing and double glazing will um, will permit less heat loss than a single sheet of glass. Yeah. So. Whilst yes, it needs to be cost effective from a business perspective, we always approached it. And the 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 origin of, of what kickstarted this was what are we gonna tell our kids? So we sat on our backside and we did mm -hmm. sweet FA and because we live on top of a hill, so we watched everyone in Oxford City drown because it's always getting flooded. No. The point is to lessen the impact that we have on our environment. And now whether that's locally or whether that's globally, mm -hmm. In many respects, it's a bit of a moot point. So we believe that spending money in this way will have a positive impact in the longer term, not only for our children, but our neighbor's kids and their pals and everyone else. Um, yeah. And if it means that we have to spend a bit of money up front, if we've got it, which we haven't right now, if we've got it, then we're gonna spend it. Mm. If it means that we go on holiday, to the south coast of, of England in Dorset and we do that, then that's what we do instead of getting mm -hmm. on an airplane and going to Italy. We, we mm -hmm. love Italy, we miss Italy, but the negative impact of that is enormous. And our children are of an age where, yes, being exposed to different languages and cultures is absolutely essential. However, mm. I mean, one, one, one of the big benefits of, of COVID was that our, our carbon footprint dropped right off the map because we didn't go anywhere. Mm. Just didn't do anything that involved an engine or a motor or a pair of wings. Yeah, yeah. We're culprits all right in this industry or in the travel industry in general. I, I wanted to ask you with all the things that you have done, what are the results that you've seen? What have been the results? Measurable results. Any measurable results or is this yeah, is all? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. our carbon footprint originally, I'm casting my mind back a few years, was about 14 tonnes CO2e per annum. We're now well under 10. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and so we took the 14 and we added another seven or eight, which we were offsetting about 2022. And we're now under half of that. Mm -hmm. um, there is a law of diminishing returns. So we, we could eke out a little bit more and eke out a little bit more. Um, and it does come back to that, to that cost benefit that you were asking about. Mm. Uh, I think there does come a critical mass. So there comes there comes a point where you can't squeeze any more out of a building mm -hmm. unless you destroy it and, and build a completely 100% self-sufficient yeah. enterprise, um, which is a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah, it does depend on your location and you can only do so much in certain instances, yeah. Which is why I come back to offsetting is not necessarily the answer. It does help contribute and it's a nice thing to be able to say, mm. but unless unless you are actively looking at reducing your impact there's not really much point you're just pushing a problem somewhere else mm -mm -mm. so paul putting a solution somewhere else yeah so we're talking clean planet clean conscience um clean no conscience. no i mean if if the planet was 100 percent 
um, self-sufficient and, and we weren't sucking out of its resources constantly, then, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the, we wouldn't have the question to have a conscience about. I think for me, the conscience is, is yes, I have a negative impact on the planet. Yes, my family does, but I am actively, or I actively have and continue to go to great lengths to try and minimize that. Mm-hmm. And that's where my conscience is satisfied. I'm as a, as an individual, as a, as a, as a business person, particularly with some new endeavors that I've taken on in the last six, six or seven months, I'm only, only ever happiest when I'm, when I'm learning, when I'm getting better at things, I've got to be getting better at stuff. Otherwise I just get stagnant. And as a man, Mm. equally I, I want to be growing I want to be growing as a father I want to be growing as a husband I want to be growing as a as a provider I want to be you know in in a whole manner of different ways and I think for me that conscience is satisfied when I know that I'm actually constantly improving something mm-hmm. whether that's me or my impact on something outside mm. um, and if I can't impact it then I just let it go mm. you can't do anything about it you know mm. move on to something you can yeah. Now, do you share all the things that you've done or are doing with your guests? Do you tell them what you're doing? I do. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I have some some um, acquaintances who come as guests um, who've said you that I should be saying more about it. Um, so they were at, um, at COP up in Glasgow protesting and they're quite active people. Um, as I said at the beginning, I have friends who are druids. You know, they're, they're really on it. They, they do more than just hug trees. Um, mm-hmm. So I talk about it in my social media. Uh, I talk about it on Facebook. I talk about it a lot more on Instagram because Instagram is where I put most of my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my website. Uh, uh, people ask questions about it. I do sell myself as the 100% carbon positive guest house in Oxford, Oxford guest house of choice, blah, 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 because I'm number one on TripAdvisor, all that good stuff. It just lends itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in all of my online publications, yes, I don't do much lumpy marketing anymore. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, do you find guests find you because uh, find and book you with you because they're after something uh, eco-friendly? I think it's part of the package that I offer, really. I think it's part and parcel of, one, it's a family business. Two, we're raising the third generation here. Three, um, there is an electric charging point right outside the building. Four, Oxford is the first city in the country to have a zero emission zone. Five, Oxford City is the first one to have one of these super boost charge stations. So it's solar powered and then plug it into your Tesla or your Nissan Leaf and that. Um, so it, it just rolls into that um, that in, that independent business ethos. And mm-hmm. I don't think people come specifically here. So I'm one of four guest houses out of five buildings. I don't think people come specifically here to me rather than any of the other three just because of that. Mm-hmm. But as a bigger picture, it, it, it very much forms one of, one of the colours that's used in, in painting that picture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've come to the end of the interview. Is there something else that you wanted to add, something else that we may have, you know, not have touched on in your story? From an eco perspective, no, I don't think there is. Apart from, I would just actively encourage people that if you if you can reduce your impact on the planet, then why the heck wouldn't you? Ask that question. Hmm. Am I going to go to the shops in the car? Am I going to get a delivery of a tiny little package from Amazon when actually I could just get on my bike, probably enjoy it, go and buy one from a local independent business? So, um, yeah, just. If, if there's anything you can do, then I think you'd be, I'm going to be quite rude, I think you'd be an effing idiot not to. Mm. 
yeah yeah <laughs> well this is the whole point of this podcast the whole point is to share uh, knowledge and share stories about what everyone else is doing how they do it uh, and there'll be a few educational sessions so there will be one about solar panels and led lights what it all means and actually putting it into context it's one thing to say you should use led lights why what does it mean to you are you just telling me what to do but i don't understand why so would you like a quick answer while we before you wrap it yeah, up yeah 30 second answer right. 30 second answer uh, if you've ever turned on a light and the light bulb's gone pop and the light's been on for a while you try and take it out with bare hands it's super hot you do that with an led light it's not so old-fashioned light bulbs are losing energy because of the heat that they emit led lights don't lose heat in that way so you're saving energy by converting it more directly into light okay that was a that was a concise explanation i don't know how i'm going to make a whole 30 seconds, so. <laughs> i did my best <laughs> well Paul, yeah you try you. and change a hot light bulb and you go oh okay i get it now oh yeah <laughs> paul thank you so much for your time if you yeah, have it's any, been absolutely delight thank if you if anyone has much. any questions comments whatever pop them in the comments below we'll get back to you paul will get back to you i'll put any links uh, the the um, the uh, the things that you've shared so far, and uh, thank you very much, Paul. Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for yours, Deborah. Thank you. Bye.